GMS Podcast. My name is Jorge M. Sanchez, and thank you for tuning in. Today's guest is the comedian, Albi Bustamante. We had a great talk about a variety of subjects, and uh, there's a lot to learn um, in a personal level. I mean, uh, we went all over the place, so look forward to that interview. And another great thing about this episode is that we have another segment of Weird New World with Ryan Sadakran. Uh, today we are going to be talking about the future of meat. So look forward to that. That's coming up first. But before we get there, I must say a couple of things. Get these things out of the way first before we move on. And that is that if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. If you can't, if you want, if you need to, if you're obligated to, if you're forced to, if you're charmed to, whatever your reasons are, please uh, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher Radio. And another great favor, uh, I would love to hear feedback from all you listeners, uh, especially the ones that have been listening to uh, this podcast for a while. Please uh, write a review. That would be great. Um, I, I mean, it would be great if, if there's some great reviews. I love that. But just give some honest reviews uh, and, and on iTunes and, and wherever. Uh, so just so I can, you know, see where I could uh, do better. Because we are reaching the end of the second season of the JMS Podcast. We're almost to the 100th episode. And man, I did not think I was going to get that this far. And I was like, you know what? I should probably listen to what the people want. Uh, so hopefully we could meet in the middle. There's always that, that constant struggle of the artist versus uh, the people. And it's like, alright, I'm sure we can comp- compromise somewhere. Uh, there is big plans coming for the third season. That's coming pretty soon. So, uh, and all that's going to be based on uh, your feedback. So please, uh, if you are a, a listener on iTunes, please uh, leave a review. That would be great. Also, you can follow the podcast on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. Uh, there, and, and there's exclusive content just in those platforms. So it's, it's not like if you get Facebook, you'll get exactly what is posted on Instagram. No, sometimes I drop some extra stuff in different platforms. And uh, just to keep some diversity going. So uh, there's those options. You can contact me at jmspodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear your opinions on the segments and on these episodes. And you can find all that information if you go to the jmspodcast.com website. All right. Let's get going because uh, it, it is getting there. It's, it's, it's Sunday. And uh, I want to take the least amount of your time on a Sunday. So let's get straight to our segment with Ryan Sadakarin. And we're going to be talking about the future of meat. Welcome to another episode of Weird New World with Ryan Sudakran. Woo! Uh, Ryan, how you been? I've been great. I've been good. So, last episode, we, we talked about the future of sex. What are we talking about this episode? Well, I mean, if, if you're a deviant, you think people are a hunk of meat, so why not talk about the future of meat? The future, future of, meat. of meat. Yeah, so, uh, 
Well, I'll start this one off with a quote uh, by Winston Churchill. In 1931, he wrote an essay called 50 Years Hence, where he, it's a really beautiful essay. He talks about his visions for the future because in the 1930s, it was a technological boom, right? It was this new kind of industrialized revolution. You know, I mean, it has been years after Ford uh, pioneered the assembly line and, and this technology was moving at a fast rate. So uh, you could see this cusp of the new um the new America, the new Britain, the, essentially the new technological world. So he wrote this essay about his predictions for the future and possible ideas, like he went into molecular biology and nuclear physics. And he had this quote, he says, We shall escape the absurdity of growing a whole chicken in order to eat the breast or wing. By growing these parts separately under a suitable medium, synthetic food will, of course, also be used in the future. Hold on, Winston Churchill Winston, came up with this. That's Winston Churchill. He, he, he had the foresight... He was a very knowledgeable man, so uh, it's, it's it's beautiful. 1931, ah, he okay. thought about it. So, um, and, and he goes to a lot of other things, like I mean, like I said before, nuclear uh, fusion, and he talks about uh, energy storage being, you know, in the size of a pen. The guy, the guy was a, the guy was Whoa, a big I, thinker, almost like a prophet. Yeah, yeah, in a way, you know, smart guy. Now, uh, I, I am a little taken aback that's Winston Churchill, but. The discussion of the of synthetic meat mm. was this common among the circles of scientists back in the forties, fifties. I don't know so much about that. Um, I mean the uh, because you pointed a, an interesting uh, uh, historical uh, reference, and that was that during World War Two, that is the era of mass consumption, and also the era where uh, you know the whole idea because you know the the soldiers coming back home, right, having to build that home. And you know, and the whole the kitchen appliance thing was right. a big deal. Was right. was what what was the latest gadget you had in your kitchen? Right. And and this in particular has to do with uh, with meat. Right. Okay. So I mean, I think I mean I think it probably was was on people's mind, but the technology to make it happen was not there. This is just kind of uh, you know, it's like a. Uh, it's like a sci-fi story, right? Like, you can have people in the 1920s dream about flying cars, but the technology for flying cars hadn't been invented yet. So I think it's it's an anal- it's analogous to what Winston Churchill was doing by saying that, you know, given that science has progressed this far, you can, like, you can see the difference between the 1910s and the 1930s was huge, mm-hmm. right? Just, the you know, the technology in automobiles was so much bigger. The technology in weapons. So he used that same logic to say, okay, in the next 50-something years... Maybe this technology will emerge. So he was just being creative with his uh, predictions. I don't know if many circles of scientists thought about it, but I do know that in the 70s was when we first started cultivating muscle tissue. That became something in um, the biomedical sphere. So I don't think there was active research for artificial meat specifically uh, in the 30s. But you know, as a medicine progressed in the 1970s, it was used for... Essentially, for studying skin tissues, you would you would graft on different cells and try to grow them in petri dishes. And in the '90s is when um, actual direct research towards creating artificial sources of meat uh, were being pursued by various universities. Yeah. And this is to be consumed. To be consumed. So the, right. the 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 direct purpose of consumption, I think, was only really seriously probed in the '90s. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But before then, it was just speculation. Uh-huh. So. Um, well, the question is, I think for this uh, segment, is should the world be worried or overjoyed by artificial meat? Are there ethical implications? If so, what are they? And um, do they have anything to do with the ethical implications of carnivorism or of what our current state is? Okay. Uh, so, 
to give you a background, like I said before, uh, biomedical labs have been experimenting with this stuff since the 70s, right? Just research on muscle fibers. And in the 90s, they started actually trying to make edible eat meat products, but nothing was really viable. It was like some pet project here and there. Uh, but in 2013, a team um, led by this guy named Mark Post actually created a burger made from uh, artificially uh, grown uh, cow cells, right? Mm-hmm. So they created this burger, but the caveat was that it took around $250,000 worth of funding, most of it by Google's co-founder, Sergey Brin. For one burger. For one burger, right? For the research to make one burger. They've predicted now that that burger today would cost $8 because they've kind of streamlined the process. But uh, even then, um, that's still pretty high for like a single burger. Now, I get it. They created an artificial meat to be consumed. Mm -hmm. However, do they hold the same nutrients as a normal meat would? Right, so uh, what they're saying is that in theory... You can you can essentially create the same type of muscle if you give it the proper nutrient bath, right? You can you can you can induce like blood flow inside. You can you can generate these cells just like a muscle would generate. The only caveat there is that you don't have fat and you don't have bone, so some of the flavor is not as potent. That's what people reported when they ate that burger. They said you can taste the meat, meaty texture, but that fullness, the richness of like a, a burger is not present there. So that would be something that they would have to improve. And that's one of the... Um, so they would need artificial seasoning. Then. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, I, they, it's a very... Uh, it's a very basic... In a very basic stage right now. Yeah. Um, but the proof of concept seems to be fairly strong. Uh, there's another company called uh, Memphis Meats that's doing the same thing. They made a, a meatball and it had the same criticism. Now, why is this uh, a push that's developing recently only? Well, various reasons. One reason, uh, a significantly smaller greenhouse gas imprint, right? One of the biggest sources of greenhouse gases are CO2, um, per- CO2 and methane production due to agriculture, right? So uh, grain farming, um, the, I mean, methane from cows, right? Mm-hmm. The amount of land used for agriculture. And the transportation of meat tra- as well. Exactly. Yeah. Transportation of cows and big, uh, like big livestock. You need trucks and you need more uh, gasoline consumption, etc. There's so many things, and water, huge amounts of water to feed the livestock and to water the the uh, the feed crops, like mm-hmm. the grass for grazing and whatnot. So it's 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 considerable on an environmental scale. But that's only one reason. Um, there's other reasons, like uh, it's doesn't really it doesn't use. Or let me rephrase this. There's no risk of being um, harmed by pesticides or antibiotics that are put into cows or weird hormones that are used to fatten up cows to increase yield of meat. So you're subverting all of these bad parts of the meat industry, not to mention, you know, uh, how factory farming is like essentially torturing animals. Like if you watch any video about factory farming, it's horrible. It's a horrible process. And now, I mean, with this new kind of liberal culture towards... Uh, agriculture or towards livestock you get free-range chickens free-range cows but on the whole factory farming is still the more efficient way to do business so people are going to do factory farming but if artificial meat becomes an efficient way of producing what is essentially the same product then you can get rid of all of that ethical bad stuff that you would see from carnivorism right like vegans will be happy vegetarians will be happy i mean would vegans be happy i mean considering uh the, the thing is is that because I know growing up the, the thing that people looked up to was tofu mm. 
and the fact that you could flavor tofu right to beef or whatever right uh, but why not concentrate on having uh, certain uh, vegetables that already exist and convert them into meat uh, like meat at least uh, they're the, the like a flavor substitute exactly yeah so there is a company that's doing that ah uh, the name uh, I forget the name but it's they use a wheat protein substitute and they make a burger that uh, that has like simulated blood so you know the when something's medium rare there's the simulated blood so they and they use a protein that's found in uh, actual blood and then they uh, artificially impose it onto there and, and that's that's uh, hitting off right in certain spaces um, but the thing is that you can still taste the difference right the, the main thing is taste it seems like the main thing is taste so whichever method does it better and for cheaper is gonna win so both methods are perfectly viable if, if they both get to the same place mm-hmm. in my mind and I think vegans would be happy because vegans at least the uh, political movement or social movement behind veganism is is to reduce like all consumption of animals or all torture of animals so if more people start switching to artificial meat like if it's identical if you had identical an identical cow burger and an artificial meat burger and we got to the point where they you could not tell them apart at all like even if you tried then what is the reason for sticking with the cow burger unless you like there, there doesn't seem any logical reason to me other than you're afraid of like it being artificial and and there is i mean i guess people have fears because they think that it's gonna have chemicals and whatnot but like i was saying before um cows are already injected with antibiotics and the systems used to 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 kill cows and to kill chickens are like teeming with bacteria like e coli and and other types of infectious things it's just it's bacteria ridden right like they put things through giant blades it's it's not at all clean they put things through giant blades yes yeah. i don't know i'm not i'm not getting very technical but here yeah. but if you watch any of these videos well, you'll see. I, I hear you out now you did mention a burger yeah what other applications are they trying to reciprocate here with with other animal meat um well there's this company in uh, Israel called super meat and they're trying to do chicken so it's essentially the basics of this process is um, you're growing muscle cells Init- you're initially starting with stem cells which you could probe you could like probe with proteins to grow into any cell you want so you start with stem cells you make them into muscle cells of whatever whatever animal right you harvest them from an animal and using those stem cells you add proteins and you add like a nutritional bath right so the same type of when blood goes through our muscles, it, it brings nutrients, it brings oxygen, etc. You try to simulate that environment in a in a you know incubator of some sort, and after that, you just keep adding adding that nutritional fuel, and the cells will grow and multiply, etc., etc. And you will eventually get a good amount of muscle tissue, hmm. and so you can theoretically do with any type of cell. Uh, possibly even human cells. If the process gets good enough, maybe people will start like making human meat. I mean, th- is is that wrong ethically to make human meat? I don't think so. I think if you could harmlessly do it, you should you, you should be able to eat a guy. I don't. Know. How about seafood and, and all that? Oh uh, yeah, no, no. It's if if it has muscle cells, you can you can theoretically do it. Okay. Yeah. So the process again is still in its infancy. Uh, it's still too expensive to do any of this, but it doesn't seem like there's any real hurdles in the next 10, 20 years to make this an efficient thing. If people are working at it 
because it's it's just like figuring out the perfect method, figuring out the logistics in, in the process. Now, uh, I think another factor why they're pushing for this is possibly because there's a growing population in, in this world of, uh, of uh, people living longer mm. and uh, there's more people uh, being born yeah. people dying yeah and it's like how are we going to feed all these people yeah that's a big one um, here in the united states yeah. we're kind we're, we're pretty privileged when it comes to food i mean at, at our you know we got so much food that it, almost a lot of it gets thrown away but there i read a recent article that china is actually uh it's has a growing middle class and one of the things uh that's associated to class over there is what what you eat and mm. primarily meat i see uh and so there's a they're estimating that China would would at one point can consume twice as much as beef than the United States does. Huh. Uh, so I think uh, I think it's a good solution to it. Well, yeah, the supply uh, the demand is greater than the supply of this stuff, right? So uh, we have more people and we have longer life expectancies, like you said, and we're not gonna have enough. Yeah. meat to feed people because if you don't get enough meat to feed people people will start eating other guys <laughs> well maybe it'll be a slowly green slope. kind of stuff you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah that'd be kind of funny i mean that'll solve the population problem at least now what is the uh con argument against right this? so the cons uh I, I wrote a couple down uh, main one i think is taste people want to find any excuse to uh, stick with what they know, right? People are weirded out, like, oh, it's frankenmeat, which is the term that's being thrown around a lot. Like, oh, it's not real. Like, But, you know, at the same time, you not, you're not watching the cow getting killed, right? You go to a supermarket, you're already pretty far removed from the process of the factory farming. So that argument doesn't seem too sound for me. The only argument I would kind of get is, like, say you really, really like the taste of original meat, and this one is slightly different, and you're like, oh, I can't change it. But even that, humans are very adaptable, right? People change their tastes all the time. Cultural tastes change. There are you know, different tastes based on different regions of the world. If the need for this is there, which it might be due to this demand greater than supply problem, um, then society could shift and this could just become the new norm, right? If, if, if we assume it has the same exact nutritional value, same amount of protein, and it's cheaper. If it's cheaper than normal meat, then I don't see any argument. But currently, right now, another big con is that it is very expensive. It's in its infancy. It's foreseeable that in the next 10 years, it'll be comparable to meat, but that's still unclear. Mm. So the big con is no one's going to go to supermarkets and buy this kind of type of stuff yet. Now, the relationship with humans and meat goes from the very beginning. Mm. In a lot of ways, humankind would not survive without uh, meat. Correct. You know, uh, especially during the Ice Ages. You know, it was very important to get a, a good amount of uh, fatty stuff in you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, in a future where there is no more of of this, you know, real animal bred meat, mm. what? how can that alter our um, route for humankind? Well, I think it's interesting because... Because uh, in a sense, our body might adapt to it. Right. So in some ways, it could also affect our digestive system. Right. And it could affect our, our shit and stuff like that. Right. Now... Do you feel there's danger in that? Um, I don't uh, because of this. So I I think that we're highly adaptable. And I think that, I mean, it's known that humans started out as hunter-gatherer societies, but no one hunts anymore. Society has changed. The human being, the nature of the human being has changed, right? We no longer need to go out and run after a buffalo uh, to get our food. So it 
it doesn't seem out of the ordinary that our whole digestive system and our whole concept of what is normal food will shift with the needs of society and how human beings evolve, right? Like it could be that maybe a hundred years into the future, if agriculture is completely infeasible, we'll just be drinking protein shakes, right? So food, food has a lot of cultural relevance as well, right? There's a lot of cultures where the dinner table is the place to communicate and talk with families, right? But it's it seems within the realm of possibility to me that in as culture shifts as well, the importance of a specific type of food like your perfect beef burger will fall out because of the advances of science and because of the needs of society. So it doesn't seem like we need to hold on to this old way of thinking about meat. Mm. It it just it the only argument for it seems like it's traditional. It's what I know, etc. It just seems like a uh, a a tendency not to change. Like we want to cling on to this stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, I I don't think it's too logical. But it's hard to convince people. You know, it's weird. It is weird. You yeah. know. Yeah, because a part of me like I'm all for it for humanitarian reasons. Yeah. But the part of me is like, damn, like if we have a future where you eat a sh- you drink or eat a shake. For breakfast, lunch, and dinner, because you get all your your nutrients that way. Yeah, I, I find that a little uh, a little sad, like considering, uh, h- like how much art and how much uh, cultural input is when you're cooking your own food, right? Or uh, you're 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 experimenting with food and right. and what that means for the restaurant business and what that means for uh, for chefs and stuff like that, because uh, I don't know, like. I'm not looking forward for a future like well, that. Well, I, I think that that future, the one with only shakes, is way down the line. It's way past us. It'll be a slow journey towards that. It's not going to be like, hey, one day someone's like, all right, no more restaurants. We're all doing shakes. Like, it's just, it's not going to be that fast. It's going to be kind of people start going out of their routines, their cultural norms, and go there. That I think that's possible. But I think for now... It's just a matter of replacing the stuff from the farm uh, with the stuff from the lab. And if it's, you know, taste bud equivalent, then I don't see an issue with it. I mm-hmm. think the artistry in food can still be done with the lab-grown meat. All right. Any closing arguments? Uh, closing arguments, I just think that um, for me, maybe I was kind of biased in the way I said it. I want to be more unbiased later on. But I, I really think that the pros outweigh the cons here it just seems like the cons are i mean one the one con is the financial thing but it, you know in 10 years if we assume that this meat can replicate other meat perfectly it doesn't seem like there's any con except that you know i want to stick with what i know so i think in the long run it's a better thing for humanity uh environmentally uh ethically uh just on all fronts and you know maybe it'll taste better who knows maybe science will make a better burger so, wow. So All right. And on that note, thank you for coming. Yeah, no. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure having you here. The Future of Meat, the new episode of The Weird New World with Ryan Sadakarin. What do you think? 
Do you think uh, synthetic meat is the way to go? Do you would you like to add on to the conversation? Would you like to add in your two cents even more? Maybe add on like five cents more to it? Please, I want to hear your opinions about our discussion about the future of meat. You can send those to jmspodcast at gmail.com. Looking forward for them. All right, let's do it. Let's start our interview conversation with Albi Bustamante. This guy is a real awesome guy. He's really nice. Uh, when I back in the day when I first started um, running for Scotty, the the uh, Wednesday comedy open mic, which is still going on today, by the way, uh, he uh, I invited him to perform me, and yeah, he killed it. He he did he did a great job, and uh, yeah, I, I was happy to have him here on the studio. Happy to talk to him. And there is a lot of great themes that we talked about. Talked about relationships, friendships, heartbreak, and hope. And I hope these things are these are the things to take out of it. Uh, just the more I talk to, the more it hit me. He's like, dude, this this guy's a real beautiful guy. He has suffered such adversity, and yet he keeps his chin up and he continues on. And through the power of comedy. <laughs> The power of comedy. Oh my god, that'll be the worst superhero power. I am the power of comedy. I am just going to be sarcastic throughout this whole fight. Whatever. Anyway, uh, so yeah, it, it's great to hear how he deals with certain adversity of life. And he continues on to perform for all you people. Uh, you guys should catch him at his uh, next upcoming show. As soon as he lets me know, I'll post it on the JMS Podcast social media network. All right, let's head on over to our talk with Albi Bustamante. Which never made the cut, so... Your first pod, your first podcast episode. Yeah, was you guys using your your phones? Yeah, well, you um, using his phone. So, like, we were talking about like like haunted places in the Bay Area, and we decided to drive down Hicks Road. And um, first off, it's not haunted; it's just dark. Where is it, Hicks Road? Yeah, where's that at? Um, it's in, it's somewhere in the can't find. It's near Camden. I know that. Camden. So, yeah. Camden. Camden Road right, in San Jose. It, yeah, it's, I I want to say it's somewhere near Camden, but all I, I all I remember is just driving down there and being really disappointed. That well, what's the backstory of that area? Uh, that apparently a couple um were you know driving up there, and then like the boyfriend was telling a story about how someone was pretty much hung from a tree, and then all of a sudden he went to go pee, and. All of a sudden, the girl is waiting at the car. She hears like a little scratching on top of the car, so she gets out, and it's him hanging on the tree. So that's the story. So that's the urban myth. That's the urban. Is myth. that local, or is it like other places? I don't know because this is in San Jose, right? It is in San Jose. I know there's so many stories that this is what I heard. I could be wrong. Yeah. But you know, as soon as we heard that, they're like, "Dude, let's drive down there." I'm like, "Okay, let's do it," and saw nothing. We just ended up on another road. <laughs> Uh, because there's so many urban myths around this area. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a book called um, Haunted Places in San Jose. Really? Yeah. It's. it's <laughs> <laughs> um, I I flipped through it. Um, yeah, there's a lot of places you didn't 
you didn't notice like yeah because um, i was really into that when i was younger yeah like my high school years mm-hmm. i'm from opita so our urban myth was um marsh road i'm not sure if you're familiar with that we, one. Oh, who hasn't known about marsh road <laughs> yeah i um i have yet to go down there yeah. um we've I, talked about going but we're oh, up there in the hills up there in the hills yeah oh it's funny you say that because I, I was in some ways infatuated with it it's like that's so cool well you know it's not it's based on an actual crime. You yeah, know? I'm not too sure about your urban myth in Camden, but with Marsh Road, it's it's a legit crime that happened, where where a uh, middle schooler, no high schooler, killed his girlfriend and took her to the, out there in the outskirts, and, and the weird thing about it is that he brought his friends to go see her body, and before you know it, by the truckloads, a lot of Milpitas high school students would go see the body. Right, and it took a whole week until finally was like, hey, we should probably tell the cops about this. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. and, and the story over there in Marsh Road is that when you because it's, it's, he put her under a small bridge over there right and the story is that if you drive past that bridge you can see her when you look at in your rearview mirror like behind your car okay um, and, and I was so infatuated in high school that I think I mean my, my first attempt at a documentary on it mm-hmm. it's god awful because this is like high school, you know, status. Do you, do you have a copy of this documentary? I'd love to see it. I don't know. It's probably out there. I I, I don't know, but it's me trying to pull a a, a twenty twenty kind of <laughs> style yeah. with, with an opening uh, monologue, and, and then I I, I mostly interview <laughs> mostly interviewed my, my relatives. Yeah. Because my relatives lived in Montpelier for a long time, yeah. and my uncle actually went to middle school with the victim. Oh wow! So it's not Small. that he knew her, but he knew of her. Like, like he just knew like that she wasn't in middle school. It wasn't like he was close to her. Yeah. So but yeah. they they were there at the same yeah. time. Yeah. Just the fact that all of a sudden uh-huh. did he like come to school and was like, yeah. "Hey, she's dead." Yeah. Yeah, it's scary. And I got some <laughs> backlash from my, some of my family because I tried to reach out to the to the victim's family. Right. Like, dude, you're, you're like, imagine a sixteen year old or a seventeen yeah sixteen year old contacting you about your dead kid. Like, it's not. It's not yeah. legit. You're gonna piss people off. Yeah, that's true. But like the way I see that is like you're just doing a documentary. I mean, it's not like you're yeah. not well, like you're doing a comedy skit about it. I mean, if you were, then yeah, there'd be some. What's well, a shitty documentary, man? I knew nothing. I knew I knew, this is my high school years. It was all about fun in front of the camera. Yeah, no, that's true. N- nothing of the technical shit, you know. Uh, okay. So. Well, since you said fun in front of the camera, how dare you? <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, I mean, I don't know. He said he got a lot of backlash, but. Um, mm. I don't know. I mean, I don't see anything really wrong with that. But, no, but, but, but it's pretty cool that you're into it. I am, yeah. Um, you know, and after hearing the whole March Road story, I kind of want to go down there now and check it out. Oh, actually, I went up there for the documentary. I did. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, yeah. But I want to go down there now so <laughs> to check it out and see what the whole fuss is about. Also about Hicks Road is um, there was a lot of talks about like a, an albino lives up there that's the same thing with Marshall, dude yeah that's the thing like it's, it's the South Bay has it has this weird thing with albinos yeah I have I have a bunch of friends like there's this old conflict yeah. and it's like no it's on Marshall. it's like no it's on Hicks Road and it's like yeah. why don't you guys just go find out if you're yeah. <laughs> apparently it's everywhere because it's also on Niles uh, Canyon in yeah. Fremont it's also in some other places in uh, by, by the Los Altos Hills right there is a legitimate undercurrent fear of albinos here in the South Bay area. I don't know where it came from, but that that's like a hook they have. It's right. like, if you're not scared of a ghost being in this area... Imagine what's happening if, if you see an albino. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like it's, it's not so much that, oh, you might see a ghost. Right. Oh, you might see, I don't know, a creature. No. 
the real hook to the to how scary this place is is that you might see an albino. But apparently, like you know, if you, like once he sees you, he's gonna run after you with a shotgun. That's like, exactly well, Marshmallow. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like yeah, yeah. like. At first, like, when I heard it, like, I thought I was getting the stories mixed up, but then, like, like I said, I have a bunch of friends who says it's from there, or Hicks Road, then it's from Marsh Road, and it's like, pick one. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. Are you still actively ghost hunting? Um, that was actually the only first time I ever went ghost. No, actually, I lied. Um, that was one of the first times in a while. Um, one of the last times was literally, like, ten years ago. I was living with a bunch of guys, and we decided to go down the San Felipe Hills, mm-hmm. and apparently, um... This guy had like this old abandoned barn, which used to be a like a school way back in the day, and apparently I guess the the myth behind that was um, a teacher killed one of the students and buried him underneath the school, mm. you know. So us being really smart, we decided to go up there one day, despite the fact there was a gate that said no trespassing. We climbed that. And <laughs> um, we had one of our friends um, who was a female. Still to this day, she um, she's still a female. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> I don't know now. I've heard from her. <laughs> well, these days you never know. Yeah, yeah, you know. But um, she might self-identify as an albino. I don't know. <laughs> All right, you're saying. Um, she uh, still to this day. Um, she we we jumped the fence like we were about to, we were like pumped, ready to go, and all of a sudden we just hear this big horrifying scream, and it was her. And we ran back to our cars and we just took off because Laura knows what would happen like if someone lives in that area because obviously says no trespassing. Why she scream? We don't know. Wait, so as as a group, you guys jumped over the fence? Yeah, she jumped too. And she screamed out of nowhere? Yeah, she screamed out of nowhere. And, like, we ended up at Denny's after that, and, like, she's, like, quiet. And we're asking her, like, what did you see? She's like, I don't want to talk about it. Get like, the fuck out uh, It's like, no, like, either you tell us or you're paying for your food. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. yeah but... Uh, still to this day, I'm still like wondering what the hell. She so, never told you guys. She never told to this us. day. Yeah, so that's some bullshit. I don't it know. Is. I'm calling it out. I'm calling it out. I don't know your friend. I'm sure she's great and all. Well, I haven't heard from her Be- in years, so yeah, you can call her bullshit right. all you want. But I, I, I could probably kind of believe you too. <laughs> so. Well, because I've been around people who have legitimately been scared of shit. Yeah. And one thing they do is they want to put it out there because that's one way they're trying to process what they saw. Yeah. So the fact that someone's trying to hide it, it's more like, all right, what's what's going on? No. That's just from my experience. My guess is, you know, for all, for all I know, she probably menstruated and didn't bring a tampon. <laughs> so <laughs> it could have been that. You know, maybe that's why she didn't want to talk about it. Yeah. You know. is, is she, are you still close with her? No, nah, it's been like oh, years, years. So I feel like we but, should bring her on this podcast and, and, and interrogate. It's like, all right, what happened on this? <laughs> Why'd you J- scream? Welcome to the JMS podcast slash interrogation. <laughs> <laughs> Ignore the rope. Uh, <laughs> and the albano back here. <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't don't ask questions. Oh, actually, answer questions. So, where do you feel this uh, this want to be in um, scary positions? Uh, what drives you to, to to look for those kind of things? Are, are you, is it a sort of of overcoming your fears? Is it sort of challenging yourself to put yourself in dangerous situations or potentially dangerous situations? Well. I've, I've, you know, like you said, you have a lot of friends that have, like, scary stories, you know, like, they've seen a ghost. I don't know if you've seen a ghost. Uh, I have never seen a ghost, like, ever. But, um, mm-hmm. like, I'm one person, like, I won't believe it until I see it, but, um, like, I want to be proved wrong. Like, I'm not saying I don't believe in ghosts, but, you know, a lot of people have this, you know. But, but my question is, why do you even want to actively look for the thrill, The thrill of it. Like, it's just, it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of exciting. You know, I don't know. That's just probably the way to explain it. 
like you know we hear the stories like oh this place is haunted it's like let's go you know mm. is there a particular element of the afterlife or being not not being able to pass on that attracts you mm. yeah yeah I would say it is like what you know? um uh, I don't know it's, it, it's hard to explain especially for me it's okay we got an hour dude yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um uh man honestly I like it, it, for me it's just really hard to explain like I hear a story I just want to go check it out so well for me like at least it, I did get a thrill out of it yeah but it's I, I try to come from a place of an understanding of what's not understood right and kind of seek answers for myself in some way like if I reflect back to those years I was a period I was a weird kid dude I was a real weird oh, kid oh same here yeah, and, 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 <laughs> and I never felt like I fit it in yeah uh, so w- one of the ways I, I guess I try to find comfort is to I wouldn't say distract myself, but to keep myself busy and looking at, at cool shit. Yeah. Even to the lengths of like, hey, I'm going to go make a documentary about um, about the supernatural. Right. And and, and for the longest time, I, I caught on to that wave, you know, and also to like, you know, uh, mysterious animals as well. Yeah. I was, I was really into that. And it just in some ways of trying me feeling like I, I wasn't really understood. I kind of I think I projected that to to like. Things are, are known to not be understood either. Yeah. And maybe somewhere in that, I'll find myself. It's weird. I know it's weird. I just took it to another level. No, that's fine. <laughs> but, but that's the thing. It's like you see a ghost. What does that mean? And what does that mean to you? Well, for me, that would, that would be like like I was proved wrong. Well, first off, I'd probably shit my pants. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and after that, I try to process it. <laughs> and, um, but on a philosophical level, it's like you see a ghost. What does that mean? It, it, does it mean that there are consequences about how you die now? Is that something you need to worry about now? That's something. That's something I used to think about. I was like, I would I, honestly, I would, I wouldn't know until I see one. Like I'm one of those person. You know, maybe, there might be a consequence. You know, because you're okay. you're interrupting the dead, kind of. <laughs> okay, so uh, my question is: You're from San Jose, and we're talking about ghosts. Mm-hmm. Have you vis- visited the Winchester Mystery House? Yes, I have. I um. And you haven't seen anything there? I haven't seen anything there. Um, I'll admit the vibe there, you know, is kind of eerie. Yeah, I was with a bunch of 12-year-olds. I, was, I took my little sister, you know, for, like, her birthday. Um, but that was a couple years ago. Um, there was a guy walking around there in makeup. You know, it was a night tour. Um, staff member? It was a staff member. Oh, okay. You know, he was. I think he was just trying to scare the kids, you know, Um I'll admit they're the yeah, they're, they're getting desperate. Yeah, yeah. See, so <laughs> when it comes to shit like that, I'm like, okay, is this place really haunted or not? You know, it's like you got you got a guy dressed up in makeup. His name tag is on there. <laughs> hey, Bill. <laughs> but um, I'll admit the vibes there are kind of eerie. But uh, it's funny you brought that up. I actually um, read a thing saying um, that they're actually gonna film a movie about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so with, with Helen Marin. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. I heard they're, heard they're gonna start filming it in May. Yeah, but yeah. I doubt they're gonna film it here. I mean, they, they might do some like you know pickup shots here and there, but it, it's it's I don't know. It'll be great. It'll be awesome. They should just film it here. They yeah. might as well. I mean, well, I, if they're allowed the, to. The so. logistics of like having crew mm-hmm. and boarding up crew here in San Jose. I mean, if it's San Francisco, maybe it's another thing. And there's about also like would it bother the business? Why they're trying to run it? You know, because usually a film takes about a month or two months maybe oh really so, so it's like can they really be in that location for that long and not bother the business 
Uh, I don't know, man. I don't. Maybe that'd be great. All I'm saying that'd be great. I think no. I totally the agree. shittiest part about it, it's closest to Santana Row. I'm not really a fan of Santana Row. It's like, yeah, fuck. Yeah, it's all right. It's in, I worked at a coffee shop there at one point. It was which one? Uh, Starbucks. Yeah. Ha, okay. I actually, I actually recently quit Starbucks. I was there for 13 years. I had yeah. two jobs at one point. Hence why. Um, I remember a few times you asked me to come on the podcast. Yeah, and, dude. And I'm sorry, That's by the way. <laughs> I'm not going to put you on the spot. I, no, I understand. Because no, okay. I get it. Because when I first invited you, it was like one of the early, when I first started the podcast. Right, right. So I really didn't expect anybody to really jump on board. Yeah. Uh, so don't worry about it. It's yeah. fine. I, I, I um, But yeah, I quit there after 13 years. Um, at, at Starbucks at Centennial Row. Not that stuff. I've worked there a few times. Yeah. Um, but in general, yeah, I was, I've been with the company for 13 years. Uh, you learn a lot about people. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I still work at a cafe. You, you guys know. are so, most of you guys are unsung heroes. Yeah, you know. I mean, Therapi- you mean therapists? Yeah. Well, yeah. We don't get paid enough. Even punching bags, emotional punching bags. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. totally agree. Like, like one. But minute. hey, don't get wrong though. There's a minority of you guys are are, are complete assholes, men and women. But other than that, the, oh, majo- no. the majority I, of you guys are like, oh, I've y- sent y- you guys put up with too much. Oh, I should you know, I've sent a lot of people home for being dicks. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, dude, why'd you throw the drink on the counter <laughs> like that? Go home, get out of here. <laughs> no, I actually served. Um, uh, Schwarzenegger a few times when he was governor. Okay, which Starbucks was this one? This was near the airport, and I guess at the oh, time the airport sense. had no coffee shops, so the closest one was um, ours. Yeah. So the way he would come in is um, he, two big black Denali's, like you know, someone official and important's in there, and um, the head security guard will come in. He'll scope around the place, and then he'll put touch his little ears, like all right, bring him in, and he came in. And first off, the accent's real. It's totally real. It? <laughs> yeah, it's um. real. Um, he's a nice guy. Um, not the best governor. Not going to get into that. But um, he's a, his security guards are assholes. But yeah, it's understandable because his life rests on their, their hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he drinks decaf. Mm-hmm. And you can tell when he's wearing makeup. <laughs> <laughs> you can totally tell when he's wearing makeup. Um, and he said one of the most racist things that every barista was um, thinks at one point, um, I guess he had this security guard who was like a Persian security guard who paid for his drink. And then I overheard uh, Arnold saying, like, did you tip him? And he didn't. And he, Arnold, like, whips out a $10 bill, throws it on a tip jar. He's like, I know how you Persians don't dip. <laughs> and, like, I'm making his drink. I'm like, amen. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that was, that's one of the funniest things that like, I experienced this was like I said this when he was governor it was years ago oh man but, yeah, not only that he was funny too oh, yeah. <laughs> so. well mildly racist but, but that's good oh he's probably fucking racist as hell we just don't know it oh the guy's from eastern Europe mm-hmm. it's, it's a thing over there yeah that's like a common thing for them racism mm-hmm. <laughs> but wow man but how was it working in, in Starbucks and, and especially with the clientele of Santana Row because I would imagine it's, it's kind, they're kind of different they're very different. Well, like I said, I only worked there a couple of times, but then a couple of times is enough. <laughs> um, uh, a lot of rich people over there, you know. But, but, but do, you, do you feel like it's, they're a lot nicer, or do you feel like they're a little more demanding? Uh, it's hit or miss, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, I think the the um, the more demanding and mean ones are the one in Valley Fair Mall. Mm. Yes, I was it, there for a year. The mall, yes. It, the, mall in general. Yeah, I mean. malls in general right here. You're uh, right. Yeah. Any baristas that work at a mall, yeah. honestly, That's a God trip. bless you guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. That, Anybody that works at a mall, it's like, fuck, dude. Yeah, no, I was there for a year. And honestly, a year seemed like fucking 10 years. <laughs> and I got out of there. So. It's practically a, a zoo. 
it, it's probably like your store is like a cage. There's no really no really sunlight. Yeah. Well, that's how, it's so small. Like it's like it's fucking small. I mean, it's like especially God forbid Saturdays come around, mm. you know, and people bumping into each other. That fight broke out once. And it's like this is over a latte. <laughs> Well, that's what happens when you put people in cages or animals in cages. They get violent. They get they get unstable. They I'm telling you, man, the malls is is one of the biggest things that fucked up culture in not just the South Bay but many suburban. I agree. Yeah. I don't know, dude. I'm I'm running off tangent. It's it's morning for me. Yeah, it's fine. No, don't worry. I get cranky. I'm that cranky guy now. See if you want a coffee. (laughs) But coffee only makes me uh, crankier and and I have to take a shit. Well, that would that would have made the podcast a little more interesting. So I got my green tea to calm me down. Oh, okay. That's but cool. Albi Bustamante, uh, I I know you through comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You even performed that for Sky. I did. Thank you very much yeah. for having no, me. No, thank on. you for you, coming up. Yeah, um, it's funny. Um, doing comedy actually happened by accident. I didn't do comedy at first. Um, so how did it happen? Uh, well, a buddy of mine who um, he hasn't done comedy in a while, Dan Padilla. Uh, I've literally known him since junior high. Uh, he kept telling me one day. Um, it's like, hey, hey, come check out um, Agave's open mic. You know, it's all comedy. By Melanie Bega. Melanie Bega. Yeah. yeah. She she disappeared. <laughs> she, um... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I kept holding it off because, like, at that time, I was going through, like, um, uh, depression. Like, I, you know, started seeing a therapist, started taking antidepressants. And it, I held that off for about almost a month. And then finally one day I um, told him, like, you know what, fuck it, let's go. So I went down there to check it out, and that's where I met Melanie, and I met PX. Oh, uh, she's yeah. great. Oh, she's yeah. just a sweetheart. Yeah. Um, and then I told him that, like, you know, I have a history of used to hosting open mics at DeKine when it was in Sunnyvale. You were hosting DeKine? Yeah. The, just open, it was open mics in general. It was just music, poetry, and... It was com- a general open mic. Yeah, general open mic. But you didn't do comedy? I didn't. No, I actually... Um, you emceed? I emceed, and I, um, I did poetry readings uh, back then. Well, no wonder you got depressed. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it has its moments. Um, so, so you were a poet first. Yeah, uh, I still write. You know, I can't honestly. I think performing poetry and performing comedy are two different things. Like, I think yeah. performing poetry is so much harder. Yeah, it, I agree. It, it's so much harder. Like, I don't know how Mike McGee or David Perez does it. Yeah. Um, those... my, my first performance uh, was definitely poetry. Yeah. That's what I got into first before I got into anything else. And it's actually um, my first um, like performance was actually at Cafe for Scotty, which when it was a uh, Cafe Tristy. So man, you're whoa, you're you're wow. Okay, <laughs> oh, we'll talk about that in a minute. It's way before my time. Yeah. Um. So then, um, yeah, I told Melanie, um, it's like, hey, I used to host open mics. She's like, oh, do you want to host this one? I'm like, I, I don't do comedy. She's like, no, try it. Ever since then, <laughs> it just happened. <laughs> I mean, I started hosting her um her open mics, and then before you know it, a few months later, I was at the improv, and. Just told stories and well, that's quite high trajectory there man it is yeah well I did a few showcases tra- trajectory yeah I did a few showcases for Agave because you know he had the open mics and then like on Saturdays she would do a showcase um uh after the first showcase I did I guess the the guy she's Jason Rogers who she used to work with uh for American Me Comedy mm-hmm. um I guess he wanted me to go on the March show like after that I said no because I'm, I wasn't ready for it and then look the f- at you yeah, turning the- down opportunities. <laughs> and the, the next month I did it. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, and ever since then I've been um, I've been doing comedy. 
Not as much lately. Just been doing a lot of showcases. Like the last few shows I've been doing a lot was with uh, Garrett Gonzalez. So him and with I with Ron Jeremy, right? Yeah, um, <laughs> Ron Jeremy is a character. <laughs> he, um, he he's actually a very funny guy, and he's actually a sweetheart too. He's mm. a very nice guy. Well, come on, dude! Like, I think I think anybody who has a who had a profession and in, in sex and 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 uh, he still does it. I know, but like <laughs> he gets to orgasm for a living. Yeah, pretty much. That's gonna calm your shit down. It is, yeah. I mean, first time... It makes you nicer, dude. Huh? It makes you nicer when you orgasm. Yeah. I mean, I... Men and women. Yeah. First time I met him, like, shook his hand. I'm like, hey, love your work. I, like, I didn't really know what to say. <laughs> you know, but... um, now, it's, it's always awkward, isn't it? It is. Because I, I, in San Diego, I met someone who's trying to get into the porn industry. Yeah. And me, I meet a variety of talented, uh, creative people. And one of the common things I tell them is, like, where can I check out your stuff? You're a poet. Where can I check out your stuff? You're a musician. Where can I check? So anyway, I met her, and I was like, "That's pretty cool." You're, you're, you're. Uh, a, a, she's trying to be a, a porn actor. She give it a different name, but the same shit. Yeah. I'm like, "Oh, where can I check out your stuff?" And, <laughs> and there's this awkward minute of like, see, there should not be an awkward minute because she wanted to get in the industry. Yeah. So of course, that should be the first thing that she should hear or she should be used to by now. Yeah. 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 Or that, or hey, you look familiar. <laughs> so, and I just stood there like a creep. I was like, "Oh, good lord." Anyway, I, so, I don't. I don't. That's not creepy at all. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but you were saying, yeah, he's he's a real nice guy. He is. Um, what's always funny is um, after the sh- after the shows when I um, when I leave and go home and what I find out the next day from Garrett. <laughs> he, um, I guess the first time I did a show with Ron Jeremy, it was him and Sean Weiss. Uh, Goldberg. From the yeah, Dogs. I had him here. Actually. Oh, yeah. oh, nice. Real nice guy too. <laughs> Sean. Oh yeah, he's a yeah. sweetheart. Um, gets in trouble sometimes, but he's a nice guy. <laughs> um, um, I guess Ron was saying like, "Oh yeah, hey, I, um, I got a relative who runs a restaurant or is like a head chef somewhere. Excuse me, we should go check it out." And I took off. I Sean and Garrett and I guess a couple other friends went. And I guess apparently after that, a girl um, meets up at the table or meets up at the where we performed at that knew Ron. After that, they both disappear. I guess Garrett tells Sean that they forgot something um he forgot something in his car and i guess he goes out into the parking lot and then before all of a sudden he sees this girl blowing her on outside <laughs> the parking lot <laughs> and yeah, garrison is like not shocked but he was also like ah you know because like, well, it's, it's, it's like in the middle of no, in the parking lot yeah like, it's like 11 32 yeah. at night you know in a parking lot somewhere probably either sunnyvale or san jose yeah yeah <laughs> it's like you have to do a double take at the top that off it's ron jeremy <laughs> so should have taken a picture I know. <laughs> or, I, For memories, you know. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's one of the perks of the the industry. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's hard. I would have been like, "Hey, Ron, going live." <laughs> no bullshit, though. Uh, it, it, it's hard these days for young, uh, upcoming people trying to be in the porn industry. It's, it's a lot harder. Ron had it pretty good because come on, the eighties, right? Yeah, and like early seventies, early late seventies, early eighties. Right. He didn't want to do porn at first, um, from what I was told. Um, he always wanted to do comedy, like sketch comedy, be a comedic comedic mm-hmm. actor. But you know, he needed to work, he needed money, he needed to pay right. bills. Like, and all and the, there's plenty of comedy and porn. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> and they, all they kept giving him was um was um uh, was porn roles. And obviously, he's not gonna say no to that. I mean, I don't think anyone would. And fast forward now, he's a fucking porn icon. <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah, so... That's kind of weird. It is weird. It's like... No, because for me, I'm a film student. I graduated. And the only offers I'm getting is, is to get porn stuff in San Francisco. And I keep saying no. 
But now that you're telling me the story, I'm like, wait a I, You know what? I think you should do it for the experience. I wouldn't judge you. <laughs> Where can I see your stuff? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I'm going to do. Once you, once you tell me that you finished filming your first porn, I mean... <laughs> hey, if times get tough, I might, I might resolve to it. Hey, I, I say try it. Yeah. I mean... But, but what I was trying to say with Ron Jeremy, though, is is back in those times, uh, there was never, there wasn't really an overload of porn content like it is now. Oh, yeah. I think. And, and the culture behind it is, I think it was a much smaller community back then. And, and, and of course, when you're on one porn tape, it's easier to really, people to recognize your face. Because mm-hmm. there's only a certain amount of players that could do that. Because back then, you know, uh, I, uh, it was a, truly an art to keep your boner up for like an hour. Yeah. Because uh, as most of the listeners know, it, it sex usually doesn't last an hour. In this case, <laughs> in this case, they're trying to give that illusion. Yeah. Uh, but now it's like with cutting and with so much content, it, it, it gets. I think uh, the porn industry it's harder for for young people to really make a name out of this, themselves these days. Well, because then everyone, everyone's you, doing it everyone's now. Doing it. I mean. Yeah, I'm surprised I haven't um, seen uh, someone I knew try to get into it. Which, by the way, I have a funny story that involves someone else. Um, uh, another friend of mine um, who is a comic. Um, I won't drop his name here because you'd probably get mad if I say it. But I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> um, he posted something on his Facebook um, that offended women. and involved Maya Angelou around the time when she died. Um and I guess another comic went back at him. He went back too. And I guess like she read this and she um, uh, private messaged him saying like, what you said is offensive and it's gross towards all women. A couple of days later, he sends me a link and I'm like, why are you sending me a link to Pornhub? <laughs> it turns out the on li- Facebook. Yeah, no, on uh, my phone. Uh-huh. And then oh, shit. I get a virus on that phone. <laughs> no, I, I look or AIDS or <laughs> to say it to me at the bottom. <laughs> but uh, no, I open it up and then it's a porn video, and I'm like, "Why are you sending me porn, dude?" <laughs> like, uh, he's like, "Dude, that that lady that went off on me, she's a fucking porn star," <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, this guy is interesting." Wow. Yeah, yeah. So that's another funny story that involved. Porn and comedy too. So yeah, maybe, maybe she she was a third away feminist. Probably. I mean, but watching that video, no, she wasn't. No. no. <laughs> it was like a, a lesbian. Uh, I think it was it was it was a girl and three other guys. You know, porn oh, is wow. now. Yeah, it involved a car, <laughs> can of peanut butter jelly. I don't fucking know. Yeah. Uh, but I'm actually um, there's another Ron Jeremy show in the works too. That um, Garrett invited me on, but I have to pay for my own ticket. It's gonna be in Chicago. You're performing and you're paying for your own ticket. Yeah, but well, oh, oh, your own flight ticket. Yeah, well, I well, I have to buy the ticket to go fly down there. So, right, right. Which I, I thought you makes meant, sense. I thought you meant you had to buy a ticket for the show. No, well, um, he pretty much said like if I fly up there with him, he'll give me a spot. So, but there is another Ron Jeremy show in the works in July. All right. In Chicago, I, so. I gotta go check it out. Yeah, in Chicago. Yeah, if you're in that area, come on out. <laughs> never know, man. You never know. Also, near the front row. Right, right. <laughs> if you ever seen, have you ever seen Ron Jeremy perform comedy? No, no. He's, he's got a few props on stage too. Let me elaborate. He's a prop comic, <laughs> not a prop comic. I mean, he he uses like like how do I explain it? Um, I guess apparently way back in the day they made a Ron Jeremy dick cream. Yeah, where um it makes your your dick bigger does it 
I don't. I never used it. Okay. <laughs> For all that thing, it looks old. It's still uh-huh. in its wrapper. I mean, but <laughs> it was probably made like 1983. You know. So, but uh, he uses a few props. But I mean, other than that, like he, the last few times I seen him, he he destroys the stage. Like he does really he kills it. And obviously he goes home with like different girl all the time. So you can only yeah. imagine what's gonna happen in Chicago. So. I hope he finds it good. I hope it's good for him. That's good. Yeah. Now with you though, talking about you, I want to go to. I want to take it back. We're going way back. We're segueing from porn to Albie's personal life now. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> where did you? Where were you born? And where did you grow up? East San Jose. Was born in '85. Um, literally been living on the same street for my whole life in East San Jose. What street? Uh, King and McKee. King and McKee. Yeah. Dude, that's quite a uh, crazy area. It's crazier now, not because, you know, because a lot of people say, like, oh, King McKee, oh, it's so ghetto. I mean, it does have its moments, but I, for me, it's home. I wouldn't say ghetto. It has culture. It has a lot of culture. Like, uh, for me, I, I never really saw Eastside as the as the hood. I, I never really saw it that way. It's more like a lot of great fucking food, a lot of great fucking things to do. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and Renato's Pizza is still there, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's been there since... I was even a stain. I mean, <laughs> it's been there forever, and the pizzas taste the same, <laughs> which is a good thing, yeah. you know. But no, like like I said, I know a lot of people was like, "Oh, it's so ghetto there," and I'm like, it, "It's home. Like, it's just home." Yeah, yeah. Um, it's probably one of the last places around here that's not being gentrified. Yeah, but it, what sucks now is in my area there's so much construction going on because they're building a new train or like the trolley. So it's like the light rail. Yeah, it's a pain in the ass to get like get in that area. So. Mm. Yeah. How was it living over there? How was your childhood? Um, it was a good childhood. I mean, it was kind of rough, you know, because I lost my dad at six. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, honestly, he wasn't father of the year after hearing oh. so many stories about him. I mean, it, it may sound like a really morbid thing to say. What line of work was he in? Um, worked at the Frito Lay company. Frito Lay. Yeah. Was it work related? Um, was work related. Yeah. I mean, at least from what I know or what I even remember. I mean, I do remember some good moments with him, but then you know. Like I said, after he passed away, he um, I've heard a lot of bad moments about him. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it's a really bad thing. Like I don't, you know, I do miss the good times with him, you know, because he introduced me to Nintendo and right. The Simpsons. Right. <laughs> so, but like also like hearing all that stuff and like I can only imagine what kind of person I would be now if he was still around because... Um, do you feel like he could have shaped <clears throat> you into a worse person? I definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know... At one point, when like admitting that to myself, it was a really hard thing for me to admit. But like I'm, like I kind of made peace with the fact that like you know what he, I probably would not be like a good person if he was still around. What do you mean by that? Meaning that, well, I'll get further into it. Like he did a lot of drugs. He studied witchcraft, at least from what I know. Ah, oh, maybe yeah. maybe there's a trace of why you're you're looking for the supernatural. Maybe. May I mean that that's actually crossed my mind a few times. Yeah. And. What kind of drugs we're talking about here? Uh, heroin, uh, speed, mm. uh, the same shit. Um, cocaine, you know, NyQuil, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever he can get his hands on. I mean, he's been in jail multiple times, cheated on my mom multiple times, you know, and, and like, karma kind of hit him. Like, he suffered from leukemia before he knew it. He was, he was gone. Wow. But one of the, um, one of the main things that happened to him was, uh, he was supposed to be on 24 hour watch when he uh, was in the hospital and I guess he tried getting up to go to the bathroom or just trying to get up because he was so like you know out of it and he fell and cracked his skull open nobody was there 
and pretty much they were trying to perform a surgery on him and he kind of like bled out everywhere and that's how he died oh. yeah and um and you were six I was six do you have any siblings I have uh, two older sisters and I have a younger 13 year old sister who we adopted when she was two how did your family process his death um honestly the my mom she was going through the divorce she was going through a divorce with him like around the time but obviously she put that to a halt because you know it hit him like crazy um for us it was a little rough you know we did do um counseling after a while um me i didn't really open up at counseling i kind of broke down a lot in school which caused like the kids at the time to like you know oh he's a crybaby they, they didn't know what was going on I mean, and, and this was middle school years or high school years? It was like the elementary school oh, years. Oh, I'm sorry. Six year old elementary, yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously, like, it kind of hits you a little bit soon, like, as you're growing up. But then, honestly, as I got older, I, you know, I started asking more questions about my dad. And then I'm hearing all this shit. And, like, I honestly, I'm like, you know, all that crying for nothing. I mean, so, I mean, like I said, elementary, I did a lot of crying in there, which kind of caused a lot of bullying, you know, because I wasn't going to tell him why I was crying, you know. So. Right. So, what high school did you go to? Independence High. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, graduated class 2003. Mm. Yeah, that's when I kind of realized that um like I said I didn't I didn't come to like later uh, or actually performing it, but then my comedic side kind of came out a little bit more. I could say I honestly say back in high school cuz I kind of used um like jokes and stuff as a defense mechanism. Yeah, to survive. It is, yeah. Well, in junior high, I was bullied a lot by this one guy. And then you tried doing it in high school, and I was like, dude, fuck you, dude. <laughs> it's like, just fuck off. It's like, yeah. so, but. How about your mom? What line of work does she get herself into to support the family? Um, She is a clerical coordinator at um, LPCH. What is that? That's cool. Yeah, that's. Quite a few letters. Yeah, still to this day, I have no idea what it is. She, well, no, what I now know she does, she, um, she, um, because she works at a children's hospital. She sees a lot of shit. Mm. Um. She pretty much uh, brings him into the doctor's office, and she's been doing that for over 20 years. So, I mean, she does that line of work, and uh, just... It's very noble. It is, yeah. I mean, just knowing the fact that seeing these sick kids, it's like, kind of makes you, you know, yeah. why do I complain about life? I mean... There's yeah. a lot of reflection there. It is, a lot. So, I mean, but, I mean, that's what she does. Makes her a tough person, you know. And that you're you're the only boy. I am the only with boy. Your siblings. Yeah. How was it growing up with that dynamic? Was there? Do you feel like you got quite a lot of emotional support from your sisters and such like that? Uh yeah, my older sister, uh, my middle sister, the other oldest one, uh, she hated me. <laughs> how how far middle, is the gap? Uh, we're literally thirteen months apart. Yeah, that's why. Like my like my mom wasted no time. Yeah. It's like did my dad jump on top of you like right after you gave birth to her? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, no, her and I are like we're like best friends now. So mm -hmm. I mean that that happened out of nowhere. I mean, the, the, back then she fucking hated me. <laughs> like it was that middle child syndrome, mm -hmm. you know. Like you know, sister, I'm being bullied. Fuck off. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I relate to that. I'm yeah. I'm the middle guy. You're the yeah. middle guy. Yeah. 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 Is that a thing for you guys? Like it's a middle child it's syndrome. Just... We're busy trying to name for it, put a name out for ourselves. That sometimes we we get selfish. Yeah, we do. Okay. Yeah. I mean, but you know, she's she's off now. She's married. And oh so, wow, that's yeah. good. I think she lives in San Mateo. I think. Yeah. Now, did, did you involve with any? Is that when you got involved in poetry? Was it was it uh, high school years? Uh, yeah, I wrote a lot of poetry in my high school years. Um, what inspired you to write poetry? 
Uh, I used to listen to a lot of music in Edgar Allan Poe at the time. So, Me- music. Um, wow. Yeah. That's an interesting mix. It is. Yeah. Uh, well, I read a lot. I read a lot of Poe in high school, and then I kind of dove out of poetry for a while. I got back into it when I picked up um, Eric Victorino's book, Coma Therapy. Mm. He was a singer for Strata, or still is. I don't know if they're still together. Um, yeah, I picked up his book, and then um, ever since then, I've been really deep into poetry. Yeah, so. Were you aspiring to be a writer at the time? Uh, I still am, a little, you know, to be a writer. I mean, like, this comedy thing is great. Like, I, it's, been, it's very therapeutic, actually. So mm. it's cheaper than actual therapy. Um, so is poetry. Um, but yeah, I would love to be a writer, you know, so. So you graduated from high school. Graduated from high school. I only got a high school degree. You didn't bother to move on to I always try to, but I'd like, literally after I graduated, I went right to Starbucks. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's, that's quite an education. Yeah. So. Yeah. But, I mean, that's pretty much it. And And did you get into comedy before or after graduation from high school? Oh, way way after graduation. Way after, yeah. Because I've only, I've honestly only been in the comedy thing for like five years. So what were you doing, working at Starbucks, and what else were you doing to to really? Because uh, at a young age, you're you're already interested in, in quite of uh, eclectic mix of writing, and and poetry. Mm-hmm. So you must have been doing some stuff on the side. I played in bands. You were a musician. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I play. Yeah, finding out a lot of things right now. <laughs> what instrument? Uh, vocals. You're a singer. I was a singer. I haven't sang in years, just so we're clear. Don't tell me to sing a note. I okay. can't. Yeah. I won't. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I played in a few rock bands. Um, played in one band called, um, what's the name? Another Story. And um, another band called Johnny No Name, which was the same people. We just changed our name. <laughs> rebranding? Huh? You guys were just rebranding. Rebranding, you know, yeah. but a lot of drama hit. We kind of, like, broke up. Um, then that's when I met up with my band, my buddy Dampadia. And um, he st- he started playing music. Or no, funny thing about that is um, we both tried out for the uh, same band that we saw a flyer at Guitar Center. It was called Everything Is Lava, and they were uh, uh, like they sounded just like the bands that I listened to. Which were um, my favorite. One of my favorite bands right now is uh, Dance Gavin Dance. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of the screamo music mm-hmm. and like with the melodic singing and stuff. I don't know if you are. If you're not, I totally depends get on it. my mood. Yeah, if you if you're not, I totally get it. Um, and I tried out for them, and they seemed to like me. And then I found out through Facebook that my buddy Dan was trying out for the same band. And then the guitar player messaged me, uh, saying like, "Hey, you know Dan?" I'm like, "Yeah, dude, we go way back." And I messaged him like, "Dude, we're trying out for the same band. Good luck." And he's like, "Dude, I really want this." I'm like, dude, "I'm not trying to compete with you. <laughs> I'm just saying, good luck, you know." But I messaged the bass player saying like, "Hey, I know Dan." Like, you know, don't know where you want to go with this. And he's like, I don't oppose to both of you singing. He's got a great screaming voice. You got a great singing voice. So let's see what we can do. Three songs in, they kicked us out. <laughs> both of you guys out? Yeah, they kicked us both out. <laughs> oh, man. What, the, it sounded good, at least to me yeah. and the people that yeah. want to make me feel better. <laughs> but um, but I, I figure you got double the talent. I figure that that's like a plus, but it turns out you guys just... I don't know. You guys just got kicked out. It's- we did. Well, the the guitar player, who very nice guy, very nice man, um, he had to break it to us. On the bass player, I'm not gonna lie, he was a fucking asshole. A lot of bass players are. Yeah. Yeah. And well, he, I personally think they only kept him in because he had um, tides with Sony with Sony to get picked up or something. Okay. Sony Records or whatever he knew. Um, 
But yeah, he had to say he had to break it to us. Like he messaged us, say like, "Hey, we're taking a singer hiatus." I'm like, just say you're throwing us out. <laughs> it's like I'd rather hear it. Like I'm sorry, but like just tell me flat out. It's like I'd rather hear that than singer hiatus. Singer hiatus. hiatus. What does uh, that mean? Oh, that's like calling a stupid person minimally exceptional. <laughs> it's like <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh, you guys are just gonna be a, an instrumental band now? Yeah, well, like you know we got that already. Explosions in the sky. Maybe she will. Yeah. You know, but. And like, okay, that's I like, fine. I like explosions to this guy. They're so good. Yeah, yeah so good. Uh, check out Maybe She Will. I think you'd like that. I think I, yeah, I think I, I, I have one of those albums saved on my YouTube playlist. And you want to know what's funny? They're one of the, they're one of those bands. Like you hear them, like they're so good. And then you find out they broke up like four years ago. <laughs> You're like, fuck. But no, um, yeah, we, um, they threw us both out. I didn't take it personally. My buddy Dan, he. He was yeah. really bummed out about it. He was it. really banking on it. Huh? He was really big time. But he was already writing music. I mean, this guy has enough m- music saved, recorded to record maybe three albums. So finally, he um, he ne- um, he started to get a band together, and he showed me this song, um, and he literally texted me. He's like, "Hey, listen to the song. Listen to the guy singing it. I don't need him, but I need a really faggy voice to sing it. You down to do it?" I'm like, I listened to it, and I'm like. You're a dick, dude. I'm down. <laughs> and then we formed Wednesday Adams. That was the name of the group that we just uh, we never played anywhere. But um, after that, he, he just kind of went a different direction and he started singing. And like I said, I didn't take that personal. So that was already doing more comedy anyway. So here we are now. <laughs> well, when you were playing music, mm-hmm. what were the places you guys were performing at? Uh, the honestly the. Only a couple places we performed at was at open mics and Cafe Frescati being one of them. Um, when it was Cafe Tristy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how long, like, way before your time. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, that's about it. Only open mics. Nowhere any big, you know. I personally think if we stayed with um, Everything is Lava, we could have, we could have, we could have performed in bigger places. So, or if Wednesday Adams still stayed together, I think we could have, um, went a little further. But, mm-hmm. yeah. And but, other than that, you were working at Starbucks. Yeah, it was working at Starbucks. You yeah, were, yeah, and Pay um, the bills. <laughs> and then you said you had a breakdown, a depression breakdown, which would propelled you to comedy. Yeah. Um, now, do, did you have uh, su- such um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Episodes was was a common growing up to have these 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 depression episodes, or or was this one a particular big case? Um, it was a little bit of both. Um, cause I'm a father. I don't know if I ever told you that. No, whoa, we I, totally skipped through that. Yeah, I, um, um, that breakup was really bad. Uh, she, um, you ever had a girl that mind fucked you so bad? <laughs> mostly. Okay, it's a little different. I think I got fucked mentally, but at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I think I fucked up. A lot of it is of my own doing. Yeah, okay. A, a, lot, a lot of it is me... Uh, being insecure. Uh, anyway, we could go through this about me later. But yeah, yeah like I, I, it, I, I fucked up relationships before. Because yeah. Well, with like I said, I'm not the best, you know, boyfriend. So, but hold on, what age did you meet her? I met her when I was like, see, I'm gonna be 32 in a couple of weeks. Probably met her when I was like, tells my son now he's gonna be four in May. Probably like 26, 27. At 26, 27. Yeah. How old were you when you had the child? Let's see, he's gonna be four. Probably 28. 
28. Yeah. I'm not good with math. <laughs> well, the thing is, is you're young, man. 28. And that's my problem. I was just too young. I, like, when you're a young relationship, you're still growing as people. Yeah. And when and you're learning so much about each other and about yourself. Yeah. And uh, the good things and the bad things about yourself. Yeah. The thing is with her is... um. I met her in an open mic. She played in a band. She was the vocalist. And um, uh, this is going to... It's it's going to be a tricky story. Uh-huh. Um, right around the time I started hosting open mics, um, me and my now ex-wife... I was married at one point. I should probably bring that up, too. Um, before this... this uh, Before this one. The, 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 um, your baby's mama. Yeah. You were... Okay. I was married. Hold on, dude. Let's go back there. All right. <laughs> What's the story behind the marriage one? Yeah. Because I'm, I'm trying to make sure this is a linear narrative. Okay. We'll get to... We'll, okay, we'll talk about the wife, then the baby's mama, and then in the comedy. You got it. You got it. <laughs> All right. So, let's see. <clears throat> her and I did not work out at all. Um, I asked her to marry me eight months into the relationship, which is a really... What, what, what was the thought process behind that? Uh, sounded good at the time. <laughs> you know, and... Yeah. Literally moved in the day we got married, and you know, honestly, you know that saying, you know, you don't know how the person really is until you live with them. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. I wasn't the best husband either. Yeah, but she, you know, she wasn't the best wife either. How old were you? I was like in my mid twenties. Mid twenties. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we just were not, we we're not compatible. Like she liked to party and drink all the time. I don't drink at all. I mean, and a lot of few times where I had to pick her up from being so belligerent. You know, yeah. so there's a lot of that, you know, a lot of emotional other shit going on, you know, yeah. and we fought almost every night and caused like throwing things and her punching me in the face repeatedly, you know, so. Oh, sounds like marriage. All right. No, it sounds like it sounds like a e, typical East San Jose marriage, you know, <laughs> you know, and people tell me, they're like, how long were you with her? I'm like, oh, happily for two years altogether for three. <laughs> But um, honestly, I I um, I, I, I walked out on her after that. You know, obviously there was still a little period of her and I still kind of seeing each other, kind of sleeping together while we were breaking up and stuff. Right. But then that kind of evaporated. What was the breaking point for you? Like for me to just walk. Yeah. Uh, her temper. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I wasn't I wasn't the victim in this marriage either. So I just want to make that clear. Like I wasn't like, you know, oh poor me, poor me. I doesn't I did some stupid shit too well, in that marriage. I think you gotta understand that you were both victims. Yeah. You, so. you guys were, were, were you guys were going through some shit. Yeah. And you guys held on to each other. And sometimes it just doesn't work out. Yeah. Don't blame yourself too much. I think I think people, you know, when they make those rash decisions when they're young, as crazy as it sounds there's some beauty to that. Yeah. I feel there's beauty to that. Yeah. There was one time where we were sitting at a coffee shop talking about like, oh, how are we going to do this divorce? What are we going to do? We're not fighting for anything. Yeah. And we're both looking at each other and we both just start laughing. Yeah. And I'm like, are you laughing? Why? I think she's like, yeah. And I'm like, why the fuck did we get married? <laughs> because there was a connection there. Yeah. And people people think that when you find a connection, it's everlasting <clears throat> bullshit. Some connections don't last that long. But the fact that there was a connection there that you guys say, fuck it, let's get married. There's some beauty to that. Yes, there are consequences to that. There was a lot of consequences some... there. <laughs> it's a, yeah. But yeah. but but I, I think there's an element of magic. Whether it's good or bad, there's an element of magic of, of, of a young person going like, let's do this. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a big wedding. It was downtown Court Hall. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Very magical there, <laughs> but, but, but but it seems like towards the end you guys really re, really seem to uh, calm down and be like, all right, let's get this stuff together and get divorced. 
Yeah, I mean, her and I are cordial now. I mean, because um, we're still going through the process. That's another story. Mm-hmm. Um, divorce. Yeah, filing for divorce is the fucking pain in the ass. Why can't we just file a form saying like, "Hey, we're not fighting for anything. Sign here, over and done with." You know, there's so many forms you got to fill out. I mean, it's t- it's. <laughs> but yeah, but after that, like I said, I met my baby's mom at an open mic. She was performing. Um, she was played. She played in a band called Skyway View. I don't know if you've heard of them. Mm. No. Um, so, anyways, um, we kind of hooked up a few times, and then we just started dating. Um, around that time, um, my girlfriend now, her and I hooked up a few times. Um, but when I met my baby's mama, I cut her off completely. Which is a dick move on my part. I fully own that. But only her and I, um, my baby's mama, we were together for like eight months only. And honestly, it was the longest eight months of my life. Um, again, not saying, saying I was a victim. But check this out. Um, are you Christian? No. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, super Christian. Super born again Christian. And a psych major. Who? They're... Her. Her, okay. Yeah. Borderline Batman villain. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, she... um Like she was fire and brimstone kind of Christian? Yeah, she would like... Like I would show her like... Like drives home from open mics were the longest ever. Because <laughs> like I would crack a joke. Why'd you have to say that? That was really offensive. Your God joke was really bad. Like, it's like, <laughs> like I'll listen to Jimmy Carr in the car and she's like, turn that off, he's poison. Like... Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> Can't yeah. listen to any like she would put on the Christian station while as I'm driving home. <laughs> it's like Man. come on. <laughs> I mean, like I'm not judging, but it's like don't don't shove it down my throat. I mean, like I I almost became a Christian because of her. Yeah. That's how bad it was. I mean, but then I finally I had enough of her stuff. She um the things yeah. we do for love, man. Yeah, I know. We we would we would even in some ways betray our own uh, moral religious beliefs. Because I have a buddy who did that. I mean, he's in I, he's in a very heavy marriage now, but he had to convert to a sort of uh, Hinduism. Oh wow! And this guy's like African Italian. Wow! And, and, and his wife, who's a good friend of mine, she she's from India. Right. He had to convert her to marry her. And it's like it's great, but there's always that part. Is like. Uh, like you could I don't know for me there's, there's always that, that that moral part of you it's like yeah. there was a there was a there was a period in the relationship where she was like accusing me of cheating on her and I didn't like I had no idea come to find out she cheated on me that's, that's <laughs> usually the case man yeah but she she openly told me cause she had no problem telling me she cheated on me with a girl which uh, wow. which made me like, am I doing something wrong but I knew she was bisexual before I even got into the relationship this is still the Christian the, yeah and, um, Dude, she's going through some shit. She must she, have been going through some shit. Yeah, I mean, and she told me that flat out. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I forgave her, you know, because what, what can you do, man? Yeah, but then like after like after we got into our, you know, our scuffles, which was all the time. We um, actually I broke up with her. Um, she told my mother that she did shit on me with a woman, and but then she told my mom. She's like, oh, he forgave me. He said it was hot. Like I never said that. <clears throat> I have a gay sister. Why would you think I think that's hot? <laughs> it's not as glamorous as it sounds. No, it's not. If I well, if I see two girls kissing, I'm not gonna be like I'm not one of those guys like oh damn that's hot. Like no, that's just two girls kissing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, same thing with two guys kissing. That's just two guys kissing. It, it, yeah. I find it just as gross as, as a man and a woman kissing. Yeah, sometimes exactly. it depends. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I hear you out, man. That's yeah. quite interesting. Uh, and you. When you stepped away from that relationship, did you take the, the baby with you? Was it a baby girl or baby boy? 
Yeah, she after we broke up a week later, uh, she tells me she's pregnant, mm. and we kind of tried to work things out because you know, I personally think it was not a good idea because she, um, we were just not compatible. And I told him like, you know, I can't be with you. I'll be there for the kid, but I cannot be with you. And how did you process that, being a father and, and, and losing your father at, at a young age? Um, well, first off, I'm like, I'm not going to be anything like him. Like, I don't want to, you know. Um, but to process the fact that I was going to be a dad, that it took a while to process. Like, I mean, I just, it was hard. I mean, hence why I worked two jobs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <clears throat> but um, after that, because um, she's from Washington, she took off. Like, she went to Washington. With the baby, with while she was pregnant. Okay. Yeah. Um. And then came back, but then I found out that um she was in another relationship, that while um um she came back, uh, this was after us, and it turns out the guy that she was with was one of my best friends. Yeah. Alvy, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. Um. I'm so sorry. Man. Yeah. But um. And then a lot of people were questioning, like, well, were they seeing each other while you guys were together? I'm like, they weren't. I, I know for a fact they weren't. Hmm. And so... Um, <clears throat> what was his, his excuse? Uh, tor- honestly, towards the end, we, we, we reconciled. Um, yeah. I've yeah. been there, man. Yeah. It's not it's not a good feeling. Like, you know... Yeah. It... it not at all. It, no, it's not. When, it, when, when you and your best friend are competing for the same woman? Well, he was one of, he was one of the guys I used to play in a band with. Like, we were hmm. best friends, smoked a lot of pot together, you know... You know, we had stories. Went streaking one night. Don't ask why we did it. You guys had history. We had we had a, ten, eleven years of friendship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, honestly, she went back to Washington, had the baby there. She came back here, and moved here, moved back in with him, which is awkward because I gotta go up there, pick up my kid to mm-hmm. be with him for the weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, he's answering the door. You know, I mean, obviously they didn't work. They broke up. Like you know, right. but um, around that time when they were together. Um, I was I was doing comedy and I had a joke where I dropped her name on stage. It got recorded and it ended up on Facebook. <laughs> Two days later, I get a call from her. She's like, "Are you gonna fucking crack jokes about me on stage?" I'm like, uh, "Good morning," <laughs> like, because like I woke up to her phone call, so I'm over right. here like, "Oh, I yeah. get to pick up my son or something." Yeah. So like, I go to work that day, that evening. He, he um, my ex-best friend at the time he comes into the store and he's like you made a fucking huge mistake then walked out caused a scene and she's like he my coworker's like what was that about i'm like i dropped my baby's mom in his name on stage and he found out about it (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) yeah so all of a sudden like a few days later i meet up with both of them and i i wrote a i made a contract saying like i'll never drop your name on stage and oh, then, come on, dude. Let, let me finish. Um, he um, He's like, well, would you get it notarized? I'm like, dude, I'm willing to get it notarized. And he's looking at her like, you should sign this. And she's like, I'm not signing anything without you, a lawyer. You wrote up a contract. I wrote up a contract. And, like, like, if it means that much to you, you know, first off, if you didn't like it, turn it off. They don't know what you look like. <laughs> you know, and secondly, yeah, I made this contract. And she's like, I'm not signing it. I'm like, then what do you want from me? And she's like, is there anything else you want to tell me? I'm like, no. She's like, I don't believe you. I'm like, why are we here? It's like, it's like, I'm here. And I apologize to him. And she didn't like that because I shook his hand and everything. I'm like, dude, you know what? As your stance as a boyfriend, despite how awkward this whole thing is. Yeah. Standing you know, up for your woman. You're standing up for your woman. I understand that. And I apologize on your behalf. 
I told her, I'm like, I apologize to you for offending you. I really didn't mean it. And she She's like, I don't believe you. She was trying to piss me off. Yeah, yeah. And Pushing those buttons. Yeah, and I, at that time, I'm like, you know what? That's your problem. And she's getting pissed because she's trying to push some buttons. It's not working. So, but yeah, I mean, that was awkward um, at that period. So um, my son now um, lives in Washington with her. Hmm. And the reason that being is because... Um, there was a, like his first holiday. Um, I thought that we were going to split custody and, um, like, you know, I get him Christmas Eve, she gets him Christmas day, you know, try to, you know, I'm trying to make all these plans. All of a sudden I find out they took off to Arizona to be with his family. All November, December. Oh, man. Uh, and then <clears throat> that was the final straw for me. I'm like, you know what? I'm suing you for 50, 50 custody. Like I'm serving you with court papers. Um, and I had her served the moment she got served. She moved back to Washington. Because we had a court date and everything, and she had a um, an attorney show up for her, but not for her. She's like, well, she was only visiting here. And I'm like, that's not true. Like, she moved back in. You know, she's been here. Because apparently the law is if you're here longer than six months, you're declared a, a legal resident here. Mm-hmm. But um, what held us back is the judge told me, they're like, well, he was born in Washington, so it's out of our jurisdiction. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, so... And, you know, funny side note, the attorney she got, I used to make her coffee. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I guess you're going to be misspelling her name. Yeah. Not, not anymore. I don't work for that company anymore. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. But, um, I mean. How's it now, though? I mean, it's fine. It's fine now. I mean, a couple like a couple years after she moved back into home, her home in Washington, um, her and my ex-best friend, they broke up because she... Yeah, I think I think she was dating him out of spite, you know. Kind of used him. That happens. Yeah, that happens. So after that happened, he was heartbroken. Yeah, you know, my douchebag side of me was like, "Yeah, that's what you fucking get, dumbass." Yeah. But the other side of me actually called him up and told him, "Like, I heard what happened. I'm really sorry." So with that being said, you know, if any time my son is in town, you're more than welcome to come by and see him. And that's when he's like, "Dude, I'm really sorry for confusing everything." And I'm like. I forgive you. It's very but, mature of you, man. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to... I mean, he was there the first year or two of his life. You yeah, know? yeah. And they, they had a connection, and I'm not going to take that away from him or my son. Wow, you're taking the high road, man. Yeah. That's, so, that's great. That's beautiful to but, hear. Yeah. But he moved to Arizona now, so I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, I mean... How about your kid? So your kid comes down here periodically now? Yeah. I mean, if I'm lucky, I get to see him twice a year. And we alternate holidays. Like, I get them next Christmas, not this Christmas. I had them last Christmas. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll fly up there to go be with him. Me and my girlfriend fly up there. Um, or she'll come down here, and then she'll get a hotel somewhere, and I'll I'll have him. So. How old is he now? He's going to be four in May. Wow. Man. Yeah. They grow up fast. Yeah. But my girlfriend now, who I have, um, the one I told you that I cut off completely, after that whole breakup and me getting into comedy, she was basically there to pick up the pieces. Wow. I'm happy. Yeah. With that being said, I should have knocked her up. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but I'm happy that you found someone to reach out. Like I that. did. Honestly. And, and she, she looks like a uh, dude. Her, she, she's fucking amazing. Like yeah. I, I, um, I say this joke on stage. She likes to play this game called when the fuck are we going to get married? <laughs> but, um, she, um, what I think is hot is I it was a turn on for me is I can crack a joke not only will she laugh at it she'll try to one up it despite how offensive it is and to me that's like that's love exactly <laughs> that's the key 
is to find someone who's in your same frequency. Yeah, and she's there. She's in that same frequency. Somewhere where you could just literally be yourself. Yeah. Whether it's the worst or whether it's the great. Yeah. She used to work at Starbucks, too. Like, I used to be her boss. Now she's my boss. (laughs) That's great, man. You got to realize that a lot of people don't have, don't, don't meet those people. Yeah. A lot of people go through a lot of shit and they don't find those people when they need them and they just dig themselves into a bigger hole. Yeah. So I'm really happy that, that you you seem to be in a better place in life now. I am in a lot of better place now. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's... Now, looking back, though, looking back at all that happened, Yeah. what what is it that you could reflect on on, on yourself and what, what you took the most out of that? Um, life's not easy. <laughs> That's pretty much it. And pretty much all I got out of that that life isn't easy <laughs> I mean it's it, yeah it's just not easy I mean it's just like it's just looking back at it now because I haven't really talked about this in a long time like it's it all happened fast like when I go through it again I mean if I knew I was gonna get um the girl I have now you know you know my, my son his character I mean he's fucking hilarious <laughs> mm-hmm. but um yeah, would I go through it again? I I would, you know, just uh, yeah. I'll be. Thank you. No, no. Thank problem. you for sharing. No, no problem. Man. Uh, thank you for. We reached the one hour mark. Thank you for coming. No, no problem. <laughs> there's, there's really a lot to digest here. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I, in a lot of ways, I can relate. In a, a lot of ways, it's like I, I mean, not a lot because I'm not a father and I didn't get married. None of that. But you know, they say being a father changes you. Yeah, it it does, you know. But there's a point where you shifted, where you became very mature, and, and you really process things and, and reflect and be like, all right, I, and and it's like taking the high road again with with your friend, right? And with with, with your child, it's it's like for me, it's something that's that's a recent development myself. Yeah, I think things would have been a lot different if I wasn't writing or doing comedy. Like I said, it's it those are it's a hell of an outlet. It is. I mean, like. Yeah, looking at everything, it's like I'm glad I had those two to fall back on. And you got some great. I mean, as bad as it is, you got some great tools. You got tragedy plus timing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's true. It's true. <laughs> it is. Like looking back at everything, like all you can do now is laugh at it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's yeah. all you can do sometimes. Yeah. So all right, man. Uh, where can people check you out? Just <laughs> 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 share some harrowing personal. You check me out at Pornhub <laughs> with Rod Jeremy. <laughs> No, but seriously, I, I, you're a great person. You're a great Thank performer. You, I seen you for Scotty, uh, so pe- people can look forward to seeing you at a Ron Jeremy show coming up. Yeah, they're usually in Sunnyvale, right? Yeah, well, unless he comes back in Sunnyvale, which is yeah. like, like they're kind of six months apart. Mm-hmm. So may, he might come back here again. We don't know. We're not and sure. You, but you, all I know is there's a Chicago show in the works right now. Okay. And you got a podcast going? I do. I do got a podcast with uh, my good buddy Jimmy James. Uh, he's a fellow comedian too. He did the Ron Jeremy show with me. Uh, he's only a couple months in, but he's look out for him. He's fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, our podcast is called horrify me. We talk about horror movies and weird news. Man, a lot of weird news, man. Shit. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> um, uh, you can find me there. Um, I don't have a Facebook anymore cause it got too political and annoying. So I got rid of that. You can find me on Instagram under the Illuminati. So mm-hmm. it's the underscore Illuminati. Yeah. So I mean, that's about it. <laughs> cool. And yeah. any chance, uh, in these films are you reviewing any any films that has like an albino as as the 
as the monster or something like that? No, no, not yet. Um, maybe I can squeeze that movie Powder in there at one point. <laughs> I love that movie. It is sad, right? It's sad. It's, it's not. It's not a horror movie, but it, you know, it's poor guy. Yeah. Like you really want to fuck with a guy that has powers? Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe we'll get an albino at the San Jose uh, Winchester Mystery House uh, movie. Yeah, maybe we'll see. I wouldn't be. <laughs> that could be like a. It's like the Marvel Easter egg for yeah. San Jose. Exactly. <laughs> Residents be like, I knew that was true. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> All right, I'll be. Post credits. <laughs> Thank you for coming, man. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me.